0: why are we all crying right now like everyone everyone is collectively crying and you know what i have to tell you the thought that trauma is rooted in my body and you know i should do yoga and go to the gym and whatnot like that makes me cry even more however hmm, i gotta give it a chance and you realize that, you know what, movement, whether it's emotional movement through your body or just like actually getting up from the recliner once in a while, could actually lead to, I don't know, hmm, perhaps enlightenment. We'll find out a little bit about that. And we'll find out a whole lot of other very strange things, including bugs that talk. Nope, it's not Disney, it's Open Loops interviewing Soul Coach. Anna well. I'm gonna to have to get up from the seat at some point. Enjoy. I consider it an affront to my family that you haven't heard about Anchor. It's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. Okay, let me let me just lay this out for you. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And, and get this, okay, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money, moolah, from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to Open Loops, an intellectually escapist podcast for the escapist intellectual. What do we call that? We call that a looper, someone that can take thought and divert it and look at diverting thought as it worthy intellectual discussion. Uh, you're part of a show that celebrates intellectual diversions as really a way of life. Conspiracy mystery, just plain weird, it's got a rightful place here in the three ring circus of your boundless imagination. My name is Greg Bornstein, I'm your Loop Master. And today we have Anna Cantwell, a delightful delightful young woman who is uh, oh my gosh why did i say that a delightful young woman i uh, i just i sound like i i just sound like guys that are like 10 years older than me describing like life coaches that are female that would be in their podcast like like that's like a 40 year old podcast move i'm 30 okay i'm like thir- okay 31 31 Anna Cantwell is a delightful person. Let's get it right. She's a delightful person. And my gosh, is she a person though? Or she kind of reveals it in this episode. At some point during this episode, she goes, Greg, here's the real secret. Here's the real secret. I'm not really a human. I'm a. You have to listen to find out. It was an interesting moment, kind of a strange reframe. So I'm going to be talking to the light. That is Anna Cantwell, and uh, you'll see if she if she sparks something in you uh, to, you know, keep speaking in metaphors, because, hey, really, the subconscious is all symbolic, isn't it? And it's a fun conversation. And while, you know, it would be very easy to be like, oh, speaking and talking to animals, it's metaphorical. No, no, she really means it. Listen in. I try to get to the bottom of things, and she gives me a lot of very interesting and, uh, well, for the moment, I was satisfied with the answers as kind of out there as they were. Sounds like she's doing the real work. Here she is, soul coach, Anna Cantwell. <laughs> um, but doesn't even matter. Anna Cantwell soul coach. You are here on the Open Loops podcast today. Pleasure to meet you.
1: It's so nice to meet you, Greg. Thank you for having me. Thank you for setting aside the time. And if we're live, hey, everyone listening to this. And if we're not live, then hey, everyone listening to this later.
0: (laughs) Yes, yes. Now look, here's what I am so curious about. I, I know you operate uh it seems that your primary primary modality of working with people is through the body, yoga. Uh, And and that sort of seems to be your introduction to a lot of these uh, healing, I I suppose, what's the best way to put it? Uh, Techniques, um, healing strategies, ways of letting people let go of a lot of their trauma, specifically you work with women. I'm curious, how do you distinguish, if someone were to go up to you, Anna, and be like, okay, you're a life coach or you say you're a soul coach, what is, how would you, how would you explain that difference?
1: Yeah. So to me, I love that you noticed that I start with the body and that was really where my journey started was with the body. And I think it had to be that way because I have a highly active, what some would call incredibly anxious mind. And so my initial healing pathway was through the body. And that led me to yoga, Qigong, Reiki, all of these different modalities, tools, techniques, like you were saying, that are really centered around healing in the physical body, which is often where trauma is stored. Literally trauma stored in our fat cells that shapes you know the way that our brain operates all of these things so when I came up with Soul Coach I was really kind of fed up with the term life coach and it just felt like a lot to take on like wow I'm taking on someone's whole life and to me the soul is about the union of the body the mind and the spirit and it never felt right to, to pick one lane. I loved teaching yoga. I loved working with the, you know, focusing on the body as kind of the entryway to healing. I think for a lot of people, that's where it begins. Yeah. And for some people... You know, I think there's so much rooted in the mind. We're such a culture that's like, we're all up in our heads all the time. And so I wanted an aspect of that that was always really crucial for me as someone that had, you know, suffered with anxiety from a young age. And then to me, neither of those, those aspects, the body and the mind make any freaking sense without mentioning the spirit. Or really what we are, which is so much more a spiritual being than Mm. any kind of physical being in a material world.
0: Right, right. No, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, for somebody that look, I, I have to tell you, I am I'm very spiritually curious, uh, supernaturally curious, um, but but a little agnostic, leaning towards skeptical of a lot of this stuff. So I suppose, like, what would you say? And I don't mean to necessarily challenge you, uh, <laughs> No, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's just going to happen because that's what I do. But um so sorry in advance. But uh what I was going to ask is, what would you say to someone that's like spirituality? How, how do you even know? Can you prove to me right now that I'm a spiritual being? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. I need it.
1: <laughs> I love it. Well, first of all, I have to say, don't apologize. I'll say thank you for challenging me because this just makes me better at what I do. This makes me more able to speak to a wider audience. And there's so many people that are in your position. I can mm. say that I'm in a pretty unique position in that I, I grew up very clearly seeing spirit everywhere. And first place that I saw spirit was in nature.
0: Tell me more about that.
1: Yeah. So as a young child, I had some very significant experiences uh, communicating with animals at a young age.
0: What? And <laughs> what? wait a minute, wait a minute. You got to break that down. What does that mean exactly? I know, yeah, I was reading your bio and, and the work you do. And when people say that they have an animal connection, yeah. um, you know, beyond what we think of the Hollywood uh, you know, that sort of Dr. Doolittle kind of thing, a horse whisperer. Um, I, I really want to know, you know, as a young kid, what were these profound experiences you were having? What, what do you remember the first example?
1: So this is what I describe as my initiation. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, this is great. <laughs> yeah. Tell me, tell me the whole thing.
1: I loved I love sharing this story. It's funny because I heard another podcast and someone shared a similar story that sparked my memory of this and I thought, "Oh my god, that was the animals initiating me." So I remember I was probably 4 years old mm. and I was at the library with my mom and my siblings and she, you know, in the library, it was our local library they, she was accustomed to letting us just kind of roam.
2: Right. Right.
1: right. So we're roaming through the library. We're looking for books. I remember in this particular library, there was, it must have been, um, around like the Chinese new year. I remember there was like this huge, uh, dragon that was going, you know, through the ceiling and just really cool decorations like that. And, I, I walked down this corridor and I, and I open these huge doors into this room and I look up, it's a, it's a circular room and I see, I look and there's this massive, I guess, taxidermied bust of like a hippo.
0: Wow. Like, <laughs>
1: huge, like roaring okay. open mouth hippo. And I have this moment and I stare with the hippo and then I turn, you know, half a half a quarter turn. And then there's this huge lion, roaring, this huge taxidermy, like massive, yeah. mounted to the wall. And then I go around, there's an elephant and that, you know, the next animal. And I have this moment and I felt like that in that moment, they said, We're going to be communicating with you throughout your life, and it's up to you to be able to interpret our messages and share them with the world.
0: Now, wait a minute. So, you know, I I, I definitely think there is something to be said about (laughs) – I I think that's the thing we see in – like horror movies all the time I hate that cliche now it's such a cliche oh they're just I think you just had a really bad dream or oh you know Anna she's been watching a lot of television right now (laughs) you know she's yeah she's she's got a wild imagination that girl are you telling me I mean do you are you able as an adult to look back at that moment and be like I know for a fact this wasn't some outside influence that I subconsciously just projected. Like, this was a message from a different part of consciousness, something that went in there that actually let me know this is beyond just me making stuff up.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think you look at any, any child, you know, children are so connected naturally. Children are mm. present. They're not sitting in a moment crying from last week about the time that they stubbed their toe. What do they do? You see them run run run, they trip and fall, they wipe themselves up and they get up and keep going, right? Yeah. Children are so present, and to me, that's, you know, that's really where I link this this mindfulness and the intuitive more kind of spiritual stuff is that because kids are so connected and present and pure and haven't had a lot of the conditioning a lot of the biases a lot of the influences that let's be real you and I have prominently because of our time and because of outside influences from parents to teachers to institutions to advertising that you're you're a much it's much easier to be a clear channel
0: Mm, i i really want to go into more of where this animal th- this connection with the hippo and the other uh the library creatures leads but i um it, yeah actually let's do that let's do that tell yeah. me tell me For Anna. Sure. so where so you got this message yes. so, and then where did it take you
1: so i'm 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 looking up just in awe in utter awe at also, like, what is this room that's in the library? Like, <laughs> yeah,
0: it's you know a mean? great question. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking that too, but but For yes, sure. I was just assuming.
1: Right, and so as this is like the meeting room that has just all these like taxidermy busts of exotic animals, like <laughs> in our local <laughs> right. library, which is just one of those, I don't know, it's one of those bizarre things. It was very like, it felt like a museum, you know, when you're at- That's what I was going to say. Like, it sounds like a children's
0: museum. museum or something.
1: Yeah. And so after this, you know, I felt, I remember feeling very at peace. And mm-hmm. a lot of people, especially adults, when they have these kind of, you know, psycho-spiritual experiences, they feel very afraid because we have this projection and fear of the unknown. But a lot of, once again, a lot of kids don't have that. They don't have this, this filter of, this is something that I should be afraid of. Right. So I felt very at peace. And then I just walked out the doors I felt, I remember feeling this like very embodied sense of, of gratitude. And then I walk out the doors and my mom had been looking for me. She's like, oh, honey, honey. And she, you know, she, I run up to her I'm I'm happy to see her. And, and that was that.
0: Huh. And then, and then did you start having more conversations with animals? Uh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> where did, where did you know that this message like really was yeah. true for you?
1: Absolutely. So, one of my most vivid memories is um, just a couple of years later. I was probably eight or nine at the time. This is during the summer, so I'm not in school. And it was, you know, I, I grew up in Tennessee. I grew up in Nashville, Tennessee. We had, oh, nice. Mm-hmm, yeah. So we had about, you know, about two acres on our on our land, and there was a big creek in the backyard, and. Woods that went on for miles, and that was where I spent a lot of my time. You know, playing as a kid, I I didn't watch very much TV at all. In fact, a lot of the time I was just outside, and so that's really that's a huge part of it. And then also, you know, my mom is she's very connected to animals. She's always wanting to put out you know bird seed for the birds, and very passionate and sympathetic to animals.
0: Do you think she was spiritual in some way, or that she had a communion?
1: Um, you know, in her own way, yes. I think she might put it into different language.
0: And
2: yeah. I like
1: that's, not, that's not the important part. The important part is seeing her connection and compassion and understanding for animals and that mm-hmm. this is very, it's very tied to being an empathetic person. This makes
0: me wonder, are you the, are you sort of the, uh, it slipped in there, but now it makes me curious. If you are the, like, does your mom look at you? Does your family look at you and go, yeah, she's intuitive or something? Like, do they know everything you're up to? Or have you had to sort of (laughs) recode the language so they're comfortable with it?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, as I grow, I... Become more straightforward with them, and I understand that I don't want the language to trip anyone up. So Mm -hmm. if if it feels weird to to call, and this applies to anyone, if it feels weird to call yourself spiritual, you don't don't call yourself spiritual. If it feels feels weird to say things like God or to say things like Source or Universe, like where I really believe that you know language is a gift and it also can be a barrier. And so I don't let, I don't let language be the barrier between, between me and my family. And to answer your question, no, they do not know everything that I'm up to. And
0: (laughs) that's interesting.
1: I think what they see, they see me, they see someone who is happy. They see someone who, you know, I support my clients. They see the growth and the community that I've grown. And when you look at that, it's, you know, how could you not be happy for your child? That is that's really living in love, living in connection, wow. facilitating growth.
0: That's kind of fascinating. So, I, 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 and you know what? I say that as somebody that. I mean, I went to school for acting, and I'm—I definitely pivoted to. (laughs) Oh my gosh! Well, thank you, thank you, Anna. But but (laughs) what what I was gonna say is that, um, you know, pivoting in terms of being interested in hypnosis and really having like a much more secular—I mean, my dad is a radiation oncologist. Like having family that is much more grounded in the hard sciences. Uh, You know, my mom does yoga and my my sisters, my two little sisters are much more open-minded to this kind of stuff. But overall, it's much more scientific method. And I've always tried to figure out... Is there ever, you, you, people talk about like the grand awakening of everybody, maybe, and this might be a time, I, you just wrote an article about um, people crying more in this time <laughs> period as sort of like a spiritual release. I do think there is a lot of that going on. And I also think that, you know, there might be a point where saying that you want to be a hypnotist isn't going to be a thing that's weird to tell your parents. Like, it still is. It definitely is. Um, but I guess I wonder, you know, as someone like you who is so doing it, you are working with folks. I mean, go to Anna Cantwell dot com it's spelled like it sounds anna Cant not c-a-n-t-w-e-l-l.com where you're offering i know i got the plugs in for you <laughs> um but it's good you got a website that's really teaching people uh, or showing people that they have a lot of untapped capacities i mean does your cousin ever read through that and go i don't even know my cousin anymore <laughs> um it makes me wonder it makes me wonder about the life, like do life, do, do soul coaches, do people who suddenly want to awaken, and I guess I wonder about this with your clients too, mm-hmm. do they have to in a way come out of the spiritual closet?
1: <laughs> I love that. Uh, to me, yes, and mm. I'll use, an, I'll use an, an animal example, which is why I love, I love this my connection to animals, because I feel that they have so much to teach us and that they're so removed from ego and that they can help us remove our egos. So one way of coming out of the spiritual closet is saying, right, I have an ego. There's a part of me that (laughs) wants to survive that just wants to cling to an identity and it doesn't really care about other people. And it just wants to kind of hold on and it wants to keep me surviving. Mm. And that without relinquishing that, without relinquishing that need, that attachment, it is difficult to awaken in your awareness to the beauty that is right now to the, the thriving capacity that is your life to the all of the untapped capacity and potential that you have to see colors that you didn't know existed or to play instruments that you had no idea you could or to really just feel on a daily basis alive you know lit up mm. soulful embodied expressed fully that that wow. is available to anyone and everyone in this moment.
0: Do you so. see colors that other people don't see? You think?
1: <laughs> well, how could we ever know?
0: <laughs> okay, good. I'm glad you answered that way. I'm glad you answered that way. That's yeah. interesting. I mean, so okay, you're in communion with animals. You <laughs> potentially could see more than other people see. You yeah. talked about yoga as a way of removing. What did you have? Did you have chronic stomach pain that I you did, said? Yes.
1: Yeah. Chronic so yeah. stomach pain. And I wanna I wanna share this example because people Please. I will say that people really people used to say it to me real condescendingly and say you've changed. Oh and yeah, I, you know that? And I right. saw this hilarious cartoon the other day, and it's this caterpillar and it's having tea with a butterfly, and the caterpillar is <laughs> like sip sip. You've changed, and right. the butterfly a butterfly is not like we're supposed to right so that's that's my response to anyone who who might say that about me and anyone I think who knows me is around me here's you know any of my meditations or work knows that this is this is coming from love and that I've only become a happier pain-free you know thank goodness person more expressed more alive person I, there was a time, you know, when I bounced around to all of these specialists for my chronic stomach pain and just never, I never got an answer that sat right. I would try so hard to describe what was going on in my body. And they said, well, you have IBS or you have acid reflux or you have these things like basically like take some Pepsid and shut up, like (laughs) something like that. And it, nothing ever really helped. But what I discovered did help and thank goodness, you know, my, my, both my parents have some background in clinical psychology. So I do, there's a, there's a current. Oh,
0: that's cool. That, so you do have that running it. So they do understand at some level what you're doing.
1: Absolutely. And the hilariously ironic thing is that my mom was the first person who ever taught me breathing techniques when I was, was little and would, would struggle fall asleep. So she would say, we're going to practice your relaxation techniques. We're going to do some breathing as you go to bed. Um, and that was kind of my very first introduction to mindfulness when I was probably seven years old.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Well, look, I, I, so this is so cool to me that I wonder now, like you you have a very, I'm sure you hear this all the time, I, a very sunny, soul-filled disposition about deposition about you yeah um and uh so my question is this if i were to meet anna like 15 years ago do you actually think i would have like seen a different person like what i really like how 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 tight wound and paranoid were you
1: so at the worst of it, and this was not even 12 years ago. This was, you know, seven years ago. Seven years ago, you would have seen a college student who was walking around so paranoid and so scared. I felt like at any moment that I was walking down the street, there someone could just jump out and stab me at any, at any time. Oh, wow. I was that afraid because of some traumatic experiences that I went through at that time.
0: Right, and right. that
1: kind of, it was like the anxiety fed into the chronic pain pre that era. And then that anxiety was heightened from some acute trauma. And then that ki- it kind of all rolled into one. So it left me, you know, flinching away from touch. It left me uh, really depressed. And I will nice. say this, yeah, yeesh. Yeah. And that's the only reason that I feel like I have any authority to talk about any of this is because I have been in the pits. Mm. I have been that person who, you know, I took a mental health underload from school. I, I decreased my hours. I was working several jobs. I decreased all my hours at my jobs. I, you know, I wouldn't get out of bed in a day. There was, I, it was a really, really dark, period of my life. And it was really from facing that, Mm -hmm. from Mm -hmm. really facing up to what's at the root of this, not just all the problems surrounding it, but what's really at the core that I can start to unwind this. And then once I graduated college, I made the very clear cut decision to say, I am done with this chapter of my life. The past is in the past. And if I, you know, the only way that I feel that um, I can kind of win, I can kind of empower myself through this is that if I live the happiest, best effing life
0: ever. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think there's a difference between happiness? I've heard this before. Happiness and peace.
1: Hmm. That's a great question.
0: Because I've heard of, at least in America, there's an obsession with the happiness, the happiest life. I want to be happy. Um, I mean, I had a podcast today about Disney, the happiest place on earth. Happiness as like a desire, something we chase versus, I mean, to me, I feel like you're resonating at a level beyond. I, I think you mean the same thing. It does get down to semantics. But to me, peace seems to be the place where I'm at least picking up from you.
1: Yes. I would say that the connection, you know, you probably heard happiness is an inside job. Mm. I think yeah. I say peace is cultivated. People ask me all the time, you know, how do I reduce my anxiety? How do I, how do I de-stress, right? All of these things, what they're really, what they mean to ask is how do I cultivate peace? And that mm. I always use a metaphor, you know, I use a lot of nature metaphors. No, no, no. I, it's good. I meet with a lot of clients in nature, a big, big nature fan because of its, because it brings peace. And it also shows us that the process is kind of messy, you know, mm-hmm. the cultivating of your garden of peace, as I call it, it might for the first while include just tilling the ground, just like chopping up all of the neural pathways, everything that you have thought and believed in for a long time, we're going to have to like root that out. All of these beliefs that made you feel this illusion of security, we're going to have to uproot those too. And then we have to plant seeds of peace, which is, you know, one of the seeds of peace that we plan an idea, a concept is things are working out for me. Yeah. All in all, more often than not, my life is headed in a direction where even if I can't see it at this point, things are working out for my highest good, for the highest good of those around me. And that's to be one of the most pivotal shifts that anyone can make in their belief systems.
0: I'm sorry, Anna, I think you're breaking up. You still there? You still there? Sorry, you said it was yeah, yeah. One of the most shivital, uh, pivotal, yeah, sh- pivotal shift. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm shifting all right over here. You're doing it. Um, yeah, it's one of the most pivotal shifts that they can make.
2: Yes. Yep, it-
0: uh, oh, go mm-hmm. ahead. Sorry, I, I had a question about how you get people there because I'm curious if you think that is a in the hypnosis world, what people do is they would take somebody into a more suggestible state really work out some of the baggage. If it's, you know, you have to work it out. Uh, yes. they'll, they'll go back in time or do some sort of other mental shifting of the beliefs in the subconscious and then reorient them to the present. That's one way of doing it. The other way, there's another way, which is more future oriented, which is like, you know, I mean, the classic auto-suggestion from uh, the French thinker, Emile Coué, is every day, every day in every way, I'm feeling better and better. And just repeating that throughout the day and affirmations and just repeating affirmations. Do you think the process of attracting that level of abundance, of getting that belief system How does that get into someone you believe in a way that actually stays with them? Because there's a difference between platitudes and reading a thing every day on your fridge and actually taking that belief on in such a way that they don't even flinch at the thought that life is an abundant opportunity.
1: I love this question. So to me, it's one thing that you just said, which is you have to go into the root of this where where did this belief begin and asking yourself the simplest question is that really true mm. is it really true that life is working against me is it really true that you know i'm not good enough is that really true <laughs> right right and and just being willing to inquire within and then also go like i said to the source of that so when did that belief generate what's the earliest memory that you can cognitively recall when you picked up that belief to see that all our beliefs really are picked up and collected and they're exactly like affirmations the only reason that that belief ever became so solid and so instilled and and part of who we are is because we repeated it again and again and again and we repeated in our minds and then it then we acted in certain ways that were in line with that belief and that gave us more evidence and then we said look see look life is against me uh life is against me and then it made us act in certain ways and then that produced more evidence and then it's just this continuing cycle so i remind people that the same way that you build up those beliefs is the same way that you build new beliefs You probably, when you were young, you may not have, you know, what child do you see that's like, I don't like my hips or, right? You see, you don't see children criticizing themselves this way. They're just like, I love my hair. Cause it's, you know, I was, had this conversation with a small child in the park the other day. She's just asking me like, where do my, where do the unicorns live? Like, they're just so curious and so open and like, I love my hair, like just loving themselves naturally, and that these things that we think are part of our personality are really much more learned behaviors, and hmm. that we have to unlearn and then learn again. And
0: so, we- in your work with people, are you, how often are you going? I mean, well, I, I, just out of curiosity, have you ever worked with someone and not ever gone into their body, or does the root work? always end up going there
1: i think that the body will always play a role and Mm -hmm. i now more than ever the entryway when people find me and people are open is is the subconscious mind and teaching people how to work with their subconscious mind,
0: body's a great way to get there for sure. Yeah,
1: to- exactly right. Body is like a fabulous pathway, and and for some people, their mind—pardon me—is so closed off. That's so funny. Um, the nice little reminder for myself.
0: Uh, <laughs> totally fine.
1: The um, well, it's a great way to affirm. Is to set reminders on your on your technology of the things that you'd like to. You'd like to remind yourself of.
0: What did you just get reminded of, if you don't mind my asking? You I, don't have to tell me the exact thing, but...
1: I will tell you because it's too good. I am a well-known thought leader.
0: Wow. So, wait a minute. Is there, <laughs> now, when you do that, is that you projecting the reality that... You want to actually become in the future, and then you're embodying it now so you already are that? do you are you already there? Like where are you at in the process with that reminder?
1: I love that. It's one that I've had for a while. It's one that I am continually embodying and living into in, in fuller and more expansive expressions: Whoa. So OK. <laughs> yeah. so it feels. It feels truer every day. And I know that I, you know, I am humbled by the the massive influence that I do get to have on the people that take my programs and my, my clients and anyone that's ever taken, you know, my classes or listened to my meditations on Spotify or however anyone has has received any of, of the wisdom. And I feel confident in saying that because like, I'll let you in on a little secret. It's, yeah. not, it's not really me. It's just, to me, it's totally just coming through. My work has been, become the clearest, just purest vessel that you can for wisdom to flow through.
0: Mm. And
1: that's it. That's all,
0: really. You, I, you know, I was talking to someone the other day on this show, actually, and uh, the, people out there, I haven't dropped this interview yet. So you're getting some inside. This is the first live we've ever done on Open Loop. So you're getting some inside uh, access to Anna before it goes to the public. But here's what I, I'm curious about. Um, do you? How do you distinguish between someone like you who's actually seemed to have gone through several lots of trauma and you've come out of it versus an egoic soul coach or a life coach, like for people out there that are really trying to get better themselves through this kind of self inquiry and work and they Mm -hmm. seek out someone. I mean, I'm working with a life coach right now. That's definitely helping me. What would you say uh, to someone that would, you know, if they're trying to make a decision who to work with, how do you know whether it's ego versus someone that actually can act as that conduit to a higher level of consciousness
1: yeah this is a this is such an important question that really touches on spiritual discernment mm. and being able to listen to your own intuition and not even necessarily your logical mind, right? Someone might have a very impressive long resume, or maybe they've been featured in lots of different places, or they say, I have X amount of years of experience, and it it could still be coming from ego. So to me, this is really about listening to your felt sense. What is the way that you feel when you read this person's content? What is the mm. sense that you get when you listen to not just the content of their words, but the feeling around their words? And this is really cool. This is like a meta conversation because this is part of the process that I teach people is how how do you know for me what's inner voice, what's inner wisdom, right? What's, right. what's ego, what's my ego, right? Getting in the way. Yeah. And you know, I think this is a really interesting kind of kind of tip-off. But to me, anyone who says my way is the way is dead wrong. Uh,
0: have you ever seen any of those people who are paid for those services? No. Sometimes it's a mistake. Some people make them. I mean, they go through a lot of different teachers and mentors, and they. I mean, some are hucksters, and some really help. Uh, That's pretty good that you've had that discernment. That's probably more of a reason you should work with Anna, folks. Um, But I mean, that's good. You're you're a step in the right direction for sure. Um,
1: You know, I would never say that. It's there is no one way. If someone's promising a, you know the magic pill, the golden ticket, I have the one thing, right? Yeah. That's I mean that's a load of garbage. And and that's why I always try to make it really clear that my approach is multi pronged. It's you know we take from different spiritual traditions. We take from hypnotherapy and you know I was trained in you know traditional mindfulness meditation of of the buddhist Mm. lineage right so i take from those and i take from work in a course in miracles and 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 the law of attraction but that's not the whole picture and for me the thing that i also get really skeptical of is when it's it's one one side or the other of like spirit versus earthly so If something is told only focused on the spirit and the energy and the just feel it right it's missing out on this part that we're very much a human and we're human beings and we're living on this earth and we have to like you know pay bills and we have to eat food all the time and right (laughs) right and then, to me, there's also this, you know, kind of big pitfall in just strive, just push, 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 and you will meet your goal if, as long as you press on and are and you work hard enough. So, to me, both, you know, that my approaches I describe as heaven meets earth. We line up the spirit, we line up the intention and the energetics behind this, so that the actions that you're taking that demonstrate the trust that things are working out for me that demonstrate your trust in yourself that I know and believe that this next step is my purpose. And that I really Mm. believe in what I'm offering that those two are united.
0: Interesting. Yeah. You know, I was, uh, uh, you work a lot with women. I mean, maybe exclusively according to, uh, on your website, you say that you are really working with women predominantly. That's the impression I get. Do you ever have any male clients or uh, how does, how did that really sort of become your focus?
1: Yeah, I I absolutely have male clients. I have male clients in my, in my programs. I think my group programs are, are really not, you know, gendered in any way. And I do think that with my VIPs, with one-on-one, I think I'm just most effective with women because some of my experiences are typically not always typically that of women, you know, having grappled with um, an eating disorder before having grappled with sexual trauma. And so I think it's really more so if, if any of my story speaks to you, I don't go, you know, I don't care this way, that way, or anywhere in between. It really doesn't matter to me. And, you know, for, to speak to an audience, I do sense that, women tend to resonate with me
0: more. Wow. Not always. Interesting. Interesting. Do you? Uh, why are we all crying right now? Is everybody, <laughs> is, is everybody still crying? You wrote this blog post. Check <laughs> out her blog, annacantwell.com. Uh, you wrote a blog post about <laughs> why we're all crying right now in this pain. I mean, look, we're 13 days into July. And you know, then you wrote that end of June. Uh, Is everybody still crying? Like, what is your impression of the spiritual plane right now as we get closer to what some are predicting is going to be rough economic times in America? Um, You don't have to get that political, but I am curious sort of if you're sensing a shift.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, you look at this, you look at this time, one of the things is that astrologically, it's cancer season. And cancer... Are, are known for being sensitive. And I don't, I, I mean sensitive in attuned to emotions. I think people like place a lot on that word sensitive. Mm-hmm. And when you're attuned to emotions, you feel deeply. And one of the ways that we feel deeply are tears. And you know, I the thing that I love about working with the, the breadth of people that I do is that I do get to kind of track trends right
2: yeah yeah
1: shifts and trends and I see like whoa, everyone's feeling weepy and then I and then I see also myself I am not as I'm not a not as much of a crier sometimes I like I said in the post I get a little crying constipated and I feel like I mm. need kind of flush out because I do think people are probably still feeling this way. I think that one of the reasons is that the uncertainty that is inevitable and quite certain is being thrust in our faces. It's not heightened. And I think that's a, mis- that's a misperception is that we have more uncertainty than we have before. And that's not true. We had a stronger illusion of security.
0: Oh right. whoa whoa! I gotta unpack that, <laughs> break that down a little more for me. I think I kind of get what you're saying. Like you know, like you know, I had an acting teacher once in college that said uncertainty is not actually a thing because, you, or at least like when people say I'm afraid of uncertainty, what they're really saying is I'm I. Th- it's not. There's nothing to be afraid of because you don't know what that is. So really uncertainty that you're afraid of is you projecting the worst into the future and thinking that might happen and you're not sure. Real uncertainty yeah. is that like it's that va- it could be anything. It could be, you know, who knows? We could be in the greatest. I mean, what if we were in the gr- the greatest, like the best economy we've ever had in a month I don't know if that's necessarily true. I'm leaning more towards that bad uncertainty. But what I'm saying is that, um, you know, are, is that sort of what you're saying? Like this security that people have is related to what they anticipate is going to be bad immediately in the future?
1: Yes. That the the idea of that things don't change the idea that mm. like the idea of like job security. I'm like, this is laughable. Like what job could possibly be secure? Things are, all things are constantly changing. Mm. Right. And that we're really willing to put a lot of faith outside of ourselves long before we put any faith in ourselves in like you. Yeah. Right. So all I'm saying is that the the veil is becoming very thin. And people are really seeing much more clearly now because challenging times, they allow you to see very clearly, right? Yeah. It's, it's like someone who gets a, you know, a horrible health diagnosis and all of a sudden they want to make amends to everyone and they want to like shift the direction of their life, right? Yeah. So, it's, it's these challenging times that do let us see more clearly and, and read the economy. Here's what I will say. People are getting very present to the institutions that they support, that they didn't realize that they support with mm. their dollar. People are getting their finances in integrity because they have to. And also, really, people are seeing the value that goes far beyond any dollar amount of time of freedom, yeah. of connection, right? Of of doing something that feels purposeful.
0: Yeah. No, I, I think you're absolutely right. I, um, you know what, I mean, folks this is you now you're just talking to me. Imagine what working with Anna would be like. Uh, I know you're not, you know, you, 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 you do virtual sessions too with people, I imagine.
1: Yes, this is, it's so funny because, and this is a great example, um, for the last probably, I guess now like 18 months, like about 18 months ago, I was like, okay, let's start to direct everything online. I've been using Zoom for a long time for mm. programs. It's so funny, like to become the Zoom queen when everyone's like, what's Zoom?
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so funny and a lot of people said to me wow anna that's so lucky that you've been transitioning your business to online and to me it's not lucky at all it's entirely what i designed and it's also common sense that's where all you know that's where a lot of things are heading to the technological yeah. space that if you desire as I do, lots of freedom and flexibility. I value those things very highly that online gives you the most freedom and flexibility that you can be in New York right now and I can be in LA on a Monday afternoon just right. know, chatting away about things that we love.
0: Well, that's great. Well, look, I, I very much enjoyed chatting with you, Anna. Uh, we'll put your all your information. Go to www.annacantwell.com. Finally, before you go... What is the most interesting thing an animal has communicated to you? Oh,
1: my gosh.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There's got to be one message from the animal world. We need to know. Everyone needs to know right now. What are the animals telling us? What's the most interesting thing that we as a human society need to know from them? You must have had one message you take with you.
1: Yes. This was about a week ago. I was at Echo Park Lake, for anyone who is, is local in LA, you know where that is, and the lotus flowers are blooming, and I stopped to look at the lotus flowers, right? They're blooming from the mud and the probably horrible right. at the bottom of this lake, and on, you know, the, the flower that's right in front of me lands this brilliant blue dragonfly. Oh. And this dragonfly shifts, faces me directly, and then does just a little, is like a little like head turn, just right at me, looking me right in the eyes. So I sat there for about five minutes. And for anyone who wants to know, this is not, you don't need to be anything special to be able to do this. Just ask them what, you know, what are you telling me? and and this is what the dragonfly said the dragonfly said don't you see all of this is an illusion exactly what you perceive that is reality what you perceive is reality
0: (laughs) Uh, Wow, thanks for blowing my mind at the end of the interview, great (laughs) Anna Cantwell, pleasure chatting with you, that's so cool I'm going to have to listen to that again And uh, yeah, I hope to have you on, I could talk to you uh, much longer So definitely would love to have you on again
1: Let's do it, I'll have a few more more stories And I have another very exciting animal-related project that is launching soon Where can we learn about that? Um, well, it's not launched yet, but okay. Okay. Well, it'll be, it'll be on my socials for sure.
0: Well, we will let everybody know about that. Anna, thank you again. Take care. We'll chat soon.
1: Thank you, Greg.
0: Great <laughs> Bye. All right. So I stopped. Did you like Anna? How could you not? How could you not? Some of you are listening and you're like, ah, I didn't really like her. You're wrong. You're just plain wrong. <sighs> Whatever. You know what? Let me tell you something right now. You don't meet people that, that talk to dead animals every day. All right. And they certainly don't transform that into a soul coaching career. You know, like most animal talkers end up just staying in the animal world how selfish is that at least she like talked to the animals and gave back to humanity anna you get my thumbs up thank you for using that animal like talking work and transforming into something that's actually like helpful for us because sure you can get a little puppy for your apartment and walk around and you know like not deal with human relationships or you can get a dog and talk to the dog and still care about like hey is my boyfriend gonna actually buy me a gift for our anniversary this year? That's more the work you're doing, though, at a much higher level than even I described. So hey, you know what? Limited consciousness. I should probably just you know strike a um, <laughs> uh, a, a a plank position once in a while and like cry sometime. And and reach out, email you when when I'm crying about. I, I I might do it. I might do it. I need the help. I need the support. Hey, you know what? We all need a little support. If you like this podcast, everybody, please like, subscribe, Apple podcast leave a review. It always helps. And you know what? If you like Anna Cantwell. I, I'm doing a note to this in my profile. She is doing a mindful living mentorship this autumn. And if you say open loops, referral open loops, she will give you a free 30-minute one-on-one session. Hey, I got it for the whole episode, all right? But 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 for you to talk to her directly, you know, it could be a half hour of you being like Greg traumatized me with the last three minutes of his episode with you, Anna. Un unwind me. I don't know if she'll be able to sort that all out in 30 minutes but it's a great opportunity anna Cantwell was fantastic always want to have her uh you know associated with the show hopefully she'll come on again and hopefully you'll all um uh, you know keep listening because i love doing this love meeting interesting people and i just i love period